Hello everyone, we are back with another episode of our podcast series where we discuss the importance of communication in the legal field. I am Anurag. I am Vinay. I am Arshad. And I am Anas. And we are students from National Law University, Delhi. I will be moderating the discussion for the day. For today's episode, we have Mr. Nipun Saxena as our guest. Mr. Nipun Saxena is a practicing advocate in the Supreme Court of India and various other high courts. He is a graduate from National Law University, Delhi. He has appeared before many tribunals and quasi-judicial authorities, some of them being NGT, NCDRC, Taxation and various other tribunals. He has authored and contributed in various international and national publications. He was also associated with the Additional Solicitor General of India. He had worked on various landmark judgments. His field of interest includes constitutional law, civil and criminal procedure, property and real estate laws, white collar crimes, environment laws, policy laws, and media laws. Hello, sir. We are honored to have you here. And we are very grateful to you for sparing some time from your busy schedule and joining us for this podcast. Thank you so much for having me over. It's uh, such a wonderful feeling. It's almost like homecoming considering it's my colleagues uh, who are interviewing me. It's such a pleasure being here. Yes, sir. So, uh, sir, how is it going in these pandemic times? Oh, it's uh, very, very uh, hectic, surprisingly. Uh, There's a lot of work which is coming in purely on the urgent side of things. Uh, There are orders which have to be passed with respect to individual cases which require urgent interim intervention by the court. And so there's a lot of work for us because uh, now that the things have gone virtually, it becomes very, very essential that uh, despite physical infrastructure being shut down or, you know, in the process of being shut down, individual liberties and human rights, uh, uh, you know, human rights have to be protected. So I think I think it's uh, it's a wonderful uh, experience. It's very, very educating. It's very, very illuminating. It keeps us on our toes because we never know when a new notification prescribing a new format of practice and procedure may just come to our uh, you know, inbox. And so I think it's it's very challenging, but very rewarding. Definitely, sir. It's a tough time for all of us and we, will, we hope that you are keeping safe in these times. And so just going back to the phase of law school, when you started your journey in the law field, like uh, we just saw on your link, LinkedIn profile that you've conducted various legal aid fame camps in central jail, advocated for the prisoner rights, conducted prisoner advocacy programs to secure bail to prisoners. So how do you see the role of communication when it comes to counseling of prisoners? And not only for prisoners, but in general for the client counseling that you do with your clients. So what should be the way of communicating with them so that everything that is useful for the case can be obtained? Okay, let's divide this question into different parts. Right? Part one is uh, my experience at law school. Part two being, uh, of course, how did it shape up with the, how was my experience with the, uh, with the prison inmates who were there, who were to be uh, liberated. And third is uh, general client counseling, right? So let's talk about the law school part. I knew from the moment I stepped into law school as to what I had to do. I was one of those uh, 
very few people who knew from day one what they wanted out of their experience at law school. For me, it was litigation. For me, there was no other option, no other area of law that I wanted to try my hands on. Some called me obstinate, some called me stubborn, some called me, the, I mean, they gave me various adjectives. But I stayed my course. And uh, this is where NNU Delhi was in its founding years. So in 2008, 2009, there were many, many individuals who had to decide whether to take up different law schools such as NLS, NALSA, NUJS or try their luck with NLU Delhi. But we had a very dynamic leadership, uh, you know, under Professor Dr. Ranveer Singh. And he said, you know, go ahead, do whatever it is that you want to do. And I will support you uh, on an institutional level, so long as you bring me results. And I think that was a fantastic contract that was entered into between the administration and the students. And students gave it their all. So what happened was that we uh, came across a particular provision in the CRPC, which was very underutilized. It was called Section 436A of CRPC, which essentially entailed that any person who has been accused of uh, an offense for which there was a maximum penalty prescribed and if that person had been an under trial, which is to say being languishing in prison for half of the maximum term, then that person was entitled to be released on bail forthwith. Now, let's say, just to give you an example, suppose theft carries with itself an imprisonment term for three years and you already spend one and a half years out of those three years, then you are entitled to be released on bail. And we thought if this is the scenario, then there would be so many, many inmates who would have been released almost automatically because the word used in 436 ACRPC is shall be released and not may be released. So it's no longer discretionary. It is mandatory for the person to be released. But to our shock and dismay, we found out that the total capacity of Tehar, which at that point of time was not over seven, seven and a half thousand, had close to 12,000 inmates being stuffed into that prison. And when we, uh, with the, of course, with the support of the Tehar legal aid officers and so many other wonderful persons, it became possible for us to have access to those documents, which would say date of arrest, uh, you know, the offenses under which an inmate is booked, and for how many months or days is the person in prison. And from that, we were able to call out how many of those people could be benefited by 436 ACRPC? So now you know that Tihar jail is not one jail, but many, many jails combined into one complex compound. So we went jail-wise, we went cell-wise. And in our first semester itself, this was when we were in our first year, in our first semester itself, we were able to dig out close to 22 people who we thought could be benefited by uh, Section 436 ACRPC. Now comes the challenging part, representation, asking them whether this is in fact true or are there any other uh, provisions under which they are booked. Say for instance, somebody may be booked under a, in FIR, there may be two provisions. But by the time charge sheet is filed, those two provisions may increase to five provisions. You see, so you have to constantly be in touch with the client, of course, not client-client, but the inmate. Uh, and they have to, you have to constantly ask that person as to, you know, elicit information, 
find out what is going on in hearings because a person cannot be traveling on every day to the court so, and most of these inmates are clueless all they want to do is get out of it right so i we also come across so many people who give so many different stories so those stories had to be counter verified with the documents which were available with the prison authorities and and the court with the court records accessing that becomes possible uh, becomes very difficult because you are a student right you are not a lawyer so you can't file vakalatnama you can't have power of attorney and so many things so the thing that we did was we dug out this provision called section 32 of the advocates act it basically says that notwithstanding anything contained in this act any person who is not even a lawyer can move an appropriate application before the court seeking its permission or seeking leave of the court to appear and argue for whatever categories of people that they were right and so we used that provision we started filing applications before the court the courts were very very generous knowing that there are students from national university delhi who are appearing in court and uh, getting those bail orders uh, because uh, an unfortunate part of the entire narrative is that the legal aid officers or the uh, officers of the legal services authority the lawyers who are impaneled uh, were not doing that good a job back then i'm not sure what the situation is right now so uh, you see we filed those applications and in our very first year we really, we had a sent percent record of having uh, 22 inmates released i know this as a matter of fact because uh, we were part of that founding core team that did it and by core team we don't mean that you know there were the people other people who were running around it was just these couple of members who were doing a fantastic job at uh, running around and getting uh, bails i personally remember having argued six such cases and with uh, and in all those cases of course the person was released so i think it was deeply deeply rewarding an experience and it uh, in because it was one of those experiences where we were learning on the job you see as law school students in first year you are you don't have a brush with crpc you only read crpc in your second year right but we had we dug out so many commentaries found out judgments which would apply started making submissions we were very very naive we were very very uh, you know uh, at the time when we were making our submissions before the court we thought it was just another moot court exercise to our surprise we found out that it was not so but the judges uh, god bless all of them was so accommodating that uh, they essentially allowed all our applications that were filed with with such amazing results and then uh, the, later on in our second third year we found out that the honorable delhi high court has taken a summa to cognizance of the issue and decided that automatic release would be ensured in all such cases where 436 crpcs benefit could be given Do you see hundreds and hundreds of people could get out because uh, of that wonderful initiative that was started uh, by the national university delhi tihar prison advocacy program definitely sir and it's really motivating for us as first years that like you can achieve whatever you want to do like even though we are not familiar with crpc but we did get to know what exactly is the idea behind it so like sir you did mention that uh, like from the very starting you were focused about litigation sir but that's not the case with all of us so like what exactly was the idea behind it or like even in my particular particular case or from my batchmates so how should one find that particular interest 
See, uh, I wouldn't advise that my way was the best way <laughs> to decide or determine your career. I think you should always be experimental. You must focus largely on the internships, on the kind of work that you are doing, on the areas of law that you find your interest in. And it is then and only then that you can take a call. Many people have not their calling even after they have graduated, even after they have spent almost two to three years. Two to three miserable years in what they are doing and you know and they are not just enjoying what they are doing so if it is something that you really really like coupled with the fact that you are taking up an area of law which is also financially rewarding i think that's very important because you see what happens is different areas of law will have a, a different niche attached to it let's say somebody takes up international human rights law or you know international uh, criminal law now the the only downside to international criminal law is once in 5 years or 2 years or 3 years there would be a mega case which would come before the icc or a special tribunal like the international criminal tribunal for rwanda let's say right um or for uh, south ossetia and abkhazia and all those those uh, specific places it becomes very very difficult for you to be attached to that case right because uh, let's face it there are far too many practitioners in all those domains so you must look at the financial viability and the uh, and in terms of the development of law, the prospective futuristic development of the law if you see a scope then get into it and uh, do whatever it is that you love doing and uh, and for that and to that extent i think it's never too late to decide what your calling is so don't take that pressure on your head if you can't figure out if you don't know whether to choose x area of law or y area of law but wo- but most important thing i think for first year students is please do not come with preconceived notions you see if you come with preconceived notions that you know i would only want to do mergers and acquisitions and nothing else because this is what i have been harboring because an ex cousin's friend who is now working as a principal associate in a law firm seems that you know he says that this is the best option available i think it's not so easy you find your own calling you find your the uh, subject on the basis of your interest in the subject nothing else and believe me if you really enjoy working what you you know if you really enjoy working on your subject then you wouldn't even know the extent of time that you are spending in it it won't be laborious it won't be burdensome you will enjoy every moment of it yes sir so i think uh, talking about how one has to find his area of interest i think internships are one thing that uh, play a major role in shaping that area of interest like if we do an internship we get to know about uh, do we prefer to go in that area in our future do we see that as a future so sir since uh, internships play an important role for a uh, aspiring lawyer as this is an opportunity when uh, one could get a practical experience about the legal field so so what should be done by that person to get an internship and uh, how that communication skills help him in getting an internships See, I think communication skills are very, very, very important in terms of when you, from the moment you first apply, don't make generic uh, emails or cover letters because we receive hundreds of internships in our office on on almost every call for internship that we release. 
the most distasteful thing for a prospective recruiter is to see that the person does not know anything about their profile or their firm they are not done i mean the candidates have not done their research adequately you see uh, now in this uh, wonderful digital age you have access to so many resources about law firms about partners about the teams about lawyers litigators whoever it is that you are applying to what kind of matters they have done if you involve that personal touch in your you know cover letter or in your cv or in your resume or your while you are having an interview and you make the person believe that you are a fit candidate for that position you meet the required skill set coupled with the fact that you are willing to do whatever it takes to meet the goals i think that assurance itself guarantees your position you see as lawyers you will be selling ideas to your clients to the judges and also for consideration or rebuttal to the opposite side you have to be convincing there is no other way out of it and for that you have to be very very effective with your communication skills there is no two way about it if you are not efficient with your communication skills then you will always be underconfident you will always be second guessing whether you whatever you wanted to convey has been assimilated by the other side but if you are clear in your head you will be clear here right that same goes with your drafting if you are clear in your head you will be clear on the paper right so please so the step by step guide which worked for me is to have that idea in your head before it comes to your tongue organize it have a logical flow to that idea that you want to you know play put across third imagine yourself to be in a setting where you are performing every word that you utter must have a specific you know a specific um, use it must have uh, it must be able to convey a specific idea it must be wed to the ultimate objective that you want to achieve which is let's say that job that recruitment that opportunity that you want to encash and it is in furtherance of that opportunity that you must make your submissions and it must be targeted you know organized uh, that's that's how it works with recruiters and not just with recruiters that's that's also the essence to a very good advocacy unless and until you are organized in whatever it is that you want to communicate you are you have lost half the battle you can win provided you have structured what it is that you want to say that you have uh, thought about it from different perspectives when you give them different perspectives you would be surprised to see that the one that you feel is the most important may not be that important to the other person but Let, let's say your third issue may have uh, found favor with the court or with the with the opposite side or whatever it is right also sir i was just curious to put put forward a point that like we did say we did talk about the skill set sir how do you think about the bar on the year of student who can apply like basically like for internship people say like uh someone from third year or above can apply so i definitely get the point that like since you get into your third year you start learning the core rules but given to the interest or the curiousness of a particular individual shouldn't it be like allowed for all the individuals 
it all depends see for instance my office takes students only third year and above but um, the reasons of uh, us doing that is very simple uh, first and foremost we are most of our practice revolves around supreme court and high courts you need to know constitution because constitution there is not just substantive it is also procedural the procedural aspects of constitution you need to have an excellent command over cpc crpc evidence because nobody has the time to sit and teach that most of the internship experiences a common misconception is that there would be somebody who is going to you know take a cell like in the hand and spoon feed you that does not work with internships there it is on your own observational capacity on the basis of your own retentive capacity whatever work is being thrown at you is something that you are expected to do irrespective of whether you know the subject or you don't know the subject so the ideal way to go about is immense reading researching till kingdom come and of course presenting a good quality work to your seniors whoever has demanded that work of you the only uh, downside that we see is that there is a lot of procedural aspects involved with litigation the stakes are very high you cannot leave it to a particular person uh, in a matter involving say 600 crores of international commercial dispute right and your research because nobody else has the time to do it that is why the research is being delegated to an intern right and therefore it becomes all the more necessary for that person to understand that kind of responsibility whether that person can shoulder it you can't expect that from a first year or a second year person to be equipped to deal with all these things right unless and until of course i have seen many people who use all their connections etc to get through law firms in their first year second year just to you know show as a proud badge to their colleagues and peers you know i got through this law firm and the kind of work that i have seen them being given is deplorable they are photocopy guys they are scanner you know scanning guys they are they are uh, take one document deliver it to table number so and so guys right this is not where you are learning in your first year and second year please go to trial courts please go and work with ngos those are the kind of places where you learn a lot right you learn the very basics the abc so that next time you appear before the court or you you work with an internship before a supreme court or a high court lawyer you understand the distinction between intervener impleader plaintiff defendant petitioner respondent appellant respondent and you don't mix all of this these are very basics right nobody is going to sit there and explain it to you this is something that you you and you alone can learn right and to that extent i think communication becomes the key wherever it is that you not understand a point please raise a question please ask do not fear that you will be called uh dumb or that you are stupid when you are asking that question you are not all of us have learned in a similar fashion because we ask too many questions in fact i used to ask so many questions that my teachers would be a testimony to that were completely bugged at one point of time they are like itna sawal puchta hai this boy right but this is this is how you learn and this is how you will be able to equip yourself because if your level of understanding Uh, the foundation of your level of understanding is through question answers and i think it it develops it develops on at a at a great pace yeah definitely so but uh, sometimes if is a question that the training provided by law schools in language and literature is not up to the expectations 
as language plays an important role in the legal field so do you think that the training of language and literature that is being provided in law school is sufficient or do you think the focus should be increased see it's a combination of different factors first and foremost of course the formal education which is being provided in law schools and colleges is of quintessence you would be these soft skills are very very important it is expected of you to employ these soft skills press them into service to get uh, your optimum results so you won't be able to have a conversation with a client without having those kind of skill sets right but you must also understand that question answering a client is different from cross examination of a witness those are different sets of conversation uh, conversational skills that you would have to employ right or thirdly speaking to a judge you can't talk to a judge in the manner you talk to a client right there is of course a difference of hierarchy authority and you need to be able to mellow down your speech you need to have the, that different kind of diction the, the, you know your voice must be modulated so as to Uh, have that kind of conversation so it's it's all different skill sets and of course i will uh, be failing in my duty if i do not point out that law schools do not equip you with everything they cannot they simply cannot because they can't visualize what area of law you're going into right so there are some basic common uh, minimum basic skill sets that they teach you and then they leave it to you as to how you want to uh, go ahead with it Say for instance, mooting is important. I think everybody must moot. They must. I mean, it's not necessary that you make a career out of it by you know coaching uh, uh, other teams and other students from different law schools or judging uh, different moot court competitions. All of us have done it. I have done it. But after a point of time, I called it quits because now the workload is so much that I just don't have the time for all of it. But right now you don't have that kind of uh, time you have you have that luxury of a time with you right so invest learn uh, try to do as much public speaking as possible try to get into or enroll yourself into debating sectors into moot court societies into uh, you know mums whatever call it whatever it is that you know every opportunity that you get work with legal aid camps it's an excellent Uh, opportunity for you to understand what are the requirements of the client. You may have n number of things in law to tell your client, but your client does not want that kind of relief. What do you do? How do you get out of it? Right? These are so many important things that you that you are not trained in law school specifically, but you can learn. It's not that these things are not around you. All that you all that you you have to do is to be observational, is to see whether these things will uh, you know those opportunities keep coming. So, sir, uh, we uh, talked about the training given in law schools, and you being an experienced holder of uh, law schools. So, sir, I want to know about your personal experience of being trained in language and literature in law school, and uh, how the training was helpful to you, and how it is useful in courts. Also, uh, did you develop your own skills of using language in courts? Okay, so it's a very interesting question. Now, of course, on the formal side of it, we were trained, um, and we had uh, law and literature in our first year, right? And we had those wonderful, amazing stress buster sessions with Dr. Prasnachu, who ensured that we had a very good time. Also, 
you know, at the same time, we knew that we were learning a lot in the in the entire process. Those classroom exercises were fun. They were de-stressing. And uh, it was something that we really looked up to, uh, you know, looked forward to. But I'll, I'll be very honest with you. There are certain limitations with any course curriculum. No course curriculum can train you to be the best version of yourself. You have to put those kind of efforts, right? You need to know, uh, you need to observe. To be able to communicate effectively, the first and foremost thing that you need to do is observe. Observe your peers. Observe that one speaker who has the attention of the entire room and see what is it that they are What is it that they are bringing to table? Look at their pauses. Look at how effective and convincing their arguments are. Look at uh, the the manner in which they are addressing the gathering, right? And then you formulate your own style. In personally speaking, I was interning in the Supreme Court, and I had the pleasure and the honor of working with some of the most renowned names in the profession, right? From we have been going to courts and observing Mr. Nariman at work, uh, Mr. Surabji, uh, Mr. T. Arandya Rajina, who unfortunately is no more with us, Mr. Ashok Desai, another great counsel of eminence, right? Mr. Salve, Mr. Sibyl, Dr. Singhvi, Mr. Rothki. The list is just endless. You know, there are so many brilliant speakers equally endowed with the skill to persuade the bench and it is there that we learned it is there that you look at different speaking styles different styles of addressing the court different manners in which uh, they organized they structured what they were supposed to say and in cases where we thought were hopeless they were able to obtain relief for their clients you see and it is then and only then that you draw comparative analysis see which of these fits your business and it is then and only then that you come out with your own style of art. You see, it's not uh, that you are like a you know just focusing on one person and emulating that style because then then you are just a copycat. It it makes more sense for you to apply your own brains, see which style fits you, right? And it is then and only then that you become very very uh, uh, adept. At communicating because you see one skill set may work with one bench it may not work with another bench some bench may want you to go to the issues first some bench may want you to be very proper in your decorum while you are addressing the court all of this will come by judging the judge it's not the judge judging you it's vice versa the more you judge the more you observe it is then and only then that you become more convincing in your approach the entire game that I have to stress on, the entire game is persuasion. You need to be able to persuade because that is precisely what you're doing, right? You are not harping on, you are not, um, you know, uh, imposing your viewpoints. You are making the other person see the logic of things, you see. That if that person has to agree with some point, it has to be your point. And that person, and there's nothing more rewarding than that person using their independent or thinking that they're using their independent thought process to come to the same conclusion that you are trying to put forth. 
and making that person he or she believe that it is they who are thinking but it's not them it's you who are doing this and they are just playing to your game and and that game is has to be so subtle that nobody understands it you see this this is what persuasion is all about look at the uh, the background of a person the kind of cases that they have decided what works with them what does not work with them what um, what would be your best point there may be best very good points in law but which is that one point you would want to canvas for so as to have the instant react you know attention and slowly work your way towards it. it's it's a wonderful exercise but you know communication is so vast a topic that we can spend hours and hours on discussing different profiles what works with one particular uh, uh, you know with one particular set of individuals what skill sets is something that you must incorporate or imbibe and i think that's what you must be on a lookout for when you are interning stay you know spend your time in courts look at them arguing a point of law right look at them arguing uh, when it comes to matters of discretionary relief it's not a case where the judge is obligated to hear you the judge may just dismiss the case because he does not like your face of course it doesn't happen uh, that way but it may well happen right the person is having a bad day they may just dismiss your case right so you have to be able to look at uh you know to observe these people see what fits the bill how exactly you are supposed to canvas your submission because i think that's that's very very important. Uh, so sir i think uh, this was the last question of this episode uh with this we are at the end of the podcast so uh, would you like to give any concluding remarks well uh, i think i think it's uh, it's imperative that uh, you put due attention to the skills that you are acquiring during and throughout the you know your stay at uh, a national university there are so many opportunities coming your way in cash as many as you can of course at the same time maintaining that balance so that you are just not running from one place to another enjoy your time at law school do whatever it is that you have to do but uh, make sure that you are productive at the end of the day you are learning something out of the entire experience do whatever it is that you like it does not matter whether you do moots whether you do uh, you know whether you write research papers whether you do mnns or debating societies whatever it is that's your call do it but ensure that you are enjoying the entire process and you are assimilating whatever you can right and i think that's that's uh, most important nobody expects you to do anything more than that you can all figure out and if you are good at what you do if you are willing to put in the hours of work if you are committed to whatever it is that you have decided to do and there is no stopping you it's it's a wonderful ocean of opportunities just take a dive in have some faith and i'm sure you will do very well yeah it was a very insightful session so with you and uh, we would like to have similar sessions with you in future Absolutely, it would be my pleasure. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. Thank you, thank you so much, guys, for having me.